say this is God's word. Come on, you can do better than that. This is God's word. Not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. Father, I thank you that your word and the anointing on your word is able to destroy every yoke. It is able to heal the brokenhearted. It is able to set the captives free. And Father, we thank you that the greatness of your word has the power to bring forth life in those who hear it. And so I'm asking that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word as we minister it today. I'm in complete reliance upon the Holy Spirit that he will use me to declare, he will use me to teach, he will use me into, to encourage those who need it. And as I have decreased, I thank you for that anointing rising up and increase in me to feed every person in this room spiritually, that no one will leave this place spiritually unfed. I thank you that you will, he will use me to think with my mind, to speak with my lips, and to communicate the heart of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Our current series of lessons is entitled Desperate Households. Say Desperate Households. Now our focus is on improving the quality of our relationships. Because relationships require the support and the cooperation of two or more people, there must be an unwavering commitment from all parties for things to work out and succeed. In other words, relationships require more than just one person. And every person involved in the relationship must have an unwavering commitment for that relationship to work. Unfortunately, there are times in relationships when an individual allows themselves to become disenfranchised, bored, uninterested, or even disrespectful to the other person and the relationship that they're in. What should the faithful do when the other person has become abusive, unfaithful, and or disrespectful? What does the person who's in the relationship do when that takes place? What do you do when your relationship has gone from sweet to sour? Well, I want to pick up where we left off last week and the title of our message. And today is going to be Loving the Unlovely Part 2. Now, those of you who were here last week, how many were here last week? Let me see your hand. Amen. You know, I really didn't want to title this message that. So those of you who are visiting today, uh, this is a politically correct title because I really wanted to title it, What to Do When Your Spouse Is Acting a Fool. (laughs) But since that didn't go, you know, that's not too good to say. You know, there was a lady in the Bible named uh, Abigail. She was married to a fool. Amen. His name, I think his name was Nabal. Was it Nabal? 
Nabal, when you looked up his name, the name meant fool. And he acted just like his name. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, is your name Nabal? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Now, before I jump into this morning's lesson, we've been talking about marriage. And, and let me just say this to you. I'm talking to two people today. I'm talking to you. If you're married, let me see your hand. All right, I'm talking to you. Put your hand down. If you're not married, let me see your hand. I'm talking to you too as well. Here's the deal. If you are married, when, when I'm talking, I need you to listen to me and not listen with the ears of, I hope my spouse is listening. I need you to listen to see what your responsibility is in what I'm saying. Now, if you are single, what you need to listen for is what are my responsibilities as a single person when it comes to my relationship with the Lord? And what can I do to be a better person in a relationship once I am in one? Amen. Now, listen, there's a difference between a contract and a covenant. A marriage is not a contract. A contract basically is designed to protect the rights of a person. And it's also designed to, to limit your responsibilities. I mean, think about it. When you're negotiating a contract, the whole purpose is to make sure you get a good deal. It's to protect your rights and it's to limit your responsibilities. In other words, you want to do as little as possible to get as much as you can. Now, you cannot go into a marriage relationship or any relationship in general with that kind of mentality. You can't do that because if you do, then that relationship is not going to work out. And so a, a relationship in marriage context is really one of covenant, say covenant. And a covenant, really, it's the opposite. It's designed where you have to give up your rights. And then you have to now become responsible to what you're supposed to do. Now, watch this. When you enter into a marriage relationship, there are three areas that you have to give up your rights. Write this down. I know this is not part of my lesson, but I want to throw this out there anyway. Three areas where you have to give up your rights when you get married. You have to give up your rights when it comes to priorities. In other words, now you have to prioritize your life around this person you have made a commitment to. You can no longer have your priorities in place as a single person and think you're going to be married. In other words, listen, you can't hang out with the boys no more like you used to. Your priorities have to change. Then the second area that has to uh, change or, or you have to give up are possessions. In other words, what's yours now ain't just yours. It's ours. That's why it's just cheaper to keep her. Then number three, here's an area that most people have a problem with, and that is an area of privacy. Now, what was the first one? Priorities. What's number two? Possessions. What's number three? Privacy. When you get married, you have no privacy. It ain't your cell phone. It's our cell phone. Why is she checking my messages? Because they're not your messages. Come on. And, and, I, and, and listen, I am not in agreement, per se, with the women's movement. I do understand their issues, and I don't have a problem with addressing the issues. But you know, that woman's movement thing is something else. 
I mean, because think about it. I mean, and, and how many uh, heard Chris Rock before? Let me see your hand. You know, he said something that was kind of true. He said, you know, it's very difficult for some women to, 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 to play the background role in any relationship. Because, you know, think about it. If, if, if I was president, right, and I came home and said, babe, I'm, I, I, I won president. She said, no, you didn't win president. We won president. In other words, you got to understand, there are no privacy issues. And so if you're trying to, if you're upset because she wants to check your stuff, you shouldn't be married. Because it's not your stuff no more. And I know that's not great English. Now, if you have a problem with them checking your stuff, maybe you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Well, they ought to just trust me. Well, no, let them trust you by looking. Amen. All right, I'm going to get off of that because that's not my lesson. Now, we discovered that one of God's main intentions for divorce was due to unfaithfulness in a relationship. We looked at that last week. I'm not going to go back over that. However, there are three other areas in which a person can rightfully get a divorce. I didn't mention them last week, and I want to mention them this week. Now, it's actually four total. The first one, which I said unfaithfulness, that's really adultery. Say adultery. Adultery. All of these start with an A. So here are all four ways in which a person can rightfully divorce or be separated from a person. Adultery is number one. Number two is abandonment. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Abandonment. Then number three is an unbeliever as a spouse, an unbeliever. And then number four is abuse. I'm going to list them again. Here are four ways in which a person can legally and rightfully divorce or be separated from someone in the eyes of the Lord. Number one is adultery. Number two is abandonment. Number three is an unbeliever as a spouse. And then number four is abuse. First Corinthians chapter seven. Are you there? Look in verse 10. First Corinthians 17. It says, and unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. Watch this now. But if she departs, let her remain, what? Unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. In other words, if something happens, because see, there are cases where if if abuse is going on, you need to leave that relationship. Listen, and you don't have to get a divorce right away, but you need to separate yourself From his fist. And in some case, you need to separate yourself from that pot she's going to hit you with when you sleep. Everybody say that's abuse. And we know abuse comes in all different forms. I'm mainly talking about physical abuse, but verbal abuse is just as bad. But I'm going to show you this morning how to deal with that. Okay. So we have abandonment. He said, so if you were to leave your spouse, he said, wait a minute, you got to stay unmarried or you need to get reconciled back to that person. Okay, here's another one. An unbeliever. Go to 1 Corinthians 7, look at verse 12. He says, but to the rest I speak and not I, but the Lord, uh, not the Lord, but I. If any brother has a wife that believes not. And she be pleased to dwell or stay with him. Let him not put her away. 
In other words, he's saying if you are a believer and when you got married, the person you married was not saved. He's saying if they want to stay with you, let them stay with you. Now, the question I would have is, did you marry them knowing that they weren't saved and you were saved? Because if you did, you violated the relationship laws as a believer anyway. Because the Bible tells us not be unequally yoked, right? Right. So here, let's just keep reading verse 13. And the woman which has an, a, a husband that believes not, and if, she be, if he be pleased to stay with her, then let her not leave him. Look in verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children be unclean, but they are now holy. In other words, they say, if that person who is not saved want to still be married to you, Listen, don't divorce them. Stay with them because your life as a believer could change their life as an unbeliever. Amen. Everybody say adultery, abandonment, an unbeliever, or abuse. Now, last week we said, how does a person go from saying I do to I don't when they get married? How do they do that? How do they go from saying, oh, I'm so in love with you till I don't love you no more? How does that happen? Well, there are three that I gave you last week. I'm going to add to the one. And, and here's the, the, the four real quick. Number one, a person can get in that situation is because of sin. Say sin. sin. Get the CD from last week so you can see the explanation. But this is where a person allows their flesh to get involved in sinful activity that slowly but surely erodes that person's love and respect for God's word in their relationship. Because, see, you can get up, get caught up in some sins, and the next thing you know, you don't love your wife no more. Number two was selfishness. This is where a person focuses in a relationship shifts from satisfying the other person to self-satisfaction. Their main objective in the relationship is personal happiness at any cost. God just wants me happy. Well, then the third one was spiritual carnality. This is where a person allows their mind and thinking to be infected by past sinful activity, illegal pleasures, improper material, or conversations that eventually causes their heart to resist the truth and righteousness, therefore causing them to return to a sinful lifestyle. In other words, your thinking can go backwards as a Christian. And then here's the one I want to add is sidekicks. What was number one? What was number two? What's number three? What's number four? Turn to Proverbs chapter 13 very quickly. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. Everybody say sidekicks. Now, sidekicks, this is where the compromising activities and sometimes sinful habits of friends, associates, and social companions begin to influence and overtake what a person knows to do that's right. In other words, who you hang out with will greatly affect your relationships for the good or for the bad. Proverbs 13, look at verse 20. It said, he that walks with the wise men shall be what? Wise. Wise, But a companion of fools shall be what? Shall be destroyed. Now, write this down for reference sake. You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 I'm going to read it out of Amplified. It says, do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communion or associations, corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. In other words, who you hang out with can affect your relationships for the good or for the bad. And some of you all got some sidekicks going on. And if your spouse does not approve of your sidekicks, you shouldn't have them. 
In other words, there's not a person in my life that I'm in a relationship with that my wife does not approve of. She is in agreement with anybody else or anybody that I'm in a relationship with. And if you have relationships with people that are of the opposite sex and you are married, if your spouse is not happy or comfortable with that person, you need to get rid of them. And see, here's the problem. People get married. And listen, once you get married, that I want to see if I still got it's got to die. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to rewind that one. Okay. When you get married, that player from the Himalaya, I need to see if I still got his spirit and you got to die. Listen, ain't no more. Listen, you should not live for nobody else's compliment but your spouse. And the devil knows if you're really serious about that. I mean, some of you all need to make some stands for your relationship. Listen, I don't play that. I don't care if everybody in this room look like Holly Berry. I don't want you. I don't want nobody in this room but my wife. Amen. So don't even try it. You know what? One of my men, one of my members, uh, uh, there was a person who uh, was visiting here. Uh, How many know I'm transparent? I'm transparent. Somebody was visiting here, and she was the ex-wife of a very high-profile ex-athlete. I ain't going to say what field they were in. Ex-athlete. And this person was visiting, and they let let it be known to one of my members that they really liked me. Well, we got a problem there. So I told the member, I said, listen to me, go back and tell them that Pastor Edmund said, if they can't get themselves together, they need to find another church to visit. You think you all that? No, I don't, but I don't want you. Now, see, that's the stand you got to make. Listen, here it is. I'm talking to a woman now. You at work and he complimenting you and he just know you just liking it. So what if you, well, my husband ain't complimenting me. So what? Let me show you how to get a compliment from your spouse. Honey, how do I look? How do I look? Oh, that's nice. Well, describe it for me. Why do you say that? I mean, get you a compliment. Get you one. If you want it, get it. But some of y'all are liking it. And they know you liking it. All right, now, some of y'all pleasant plant. The Bible said, can you put fire in your bosom and not get burned? I'm going to leave that one alone. Everybody say sidekicks. Okay, so here's the question that we had. And I have, let me see here, uh, 10 minutes to work this out. What should a person who's living right do when their spouse, their fiance, their girlfriend, their siblings, their, rela- their relatives, uh, anybody that's not doing right in the relationship, what should they do? The first one we said they should never take responsibility for the negative actions or sins of that person. Right. Number two, they need to make a commitment to live by the word. 
Amen. You should be the living word. The only Bible sometimes people will pick up and read is your life. How do you know that, watch this now, how do you know you believe the word if the word in you that you believe in is never tested? Amen. Number three, uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Here's what I want you to write down. Here's another thing. This is what you do when you are in a difficult relationship and the person has gone from acting like they love you to acting like they don't know you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to write this down. God will repay when I display. Write that down as a point. God will repay when I display. Remember that God will revenge our disobedience when our obedience is complete. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Are you there? Look now in verse 6. Uh, let me look, look at verse 5. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Look at verse 6. And having in a readiness, it's talking about God, to revenge our disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, I'm going to read that in the Amplified. He says, being in readiness to punish every insubordinate for his disobedience when your own submission and obedience are fully secured and complete. In other words, God will deal with other people when you submit yourself to his obedience. See, you don't have to fight for yourself. God will fight for you if you will submit yourself to him. Now go to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, Luke 12, Luke 12. Now I said this last week and I wanted to give you the scripture for it. Don't worry about if your spouse is being involved in some stuff that they shouldn't be because God will always bring to light what's wrong. The reason I say that is because marriage is a holy union that was started by a holy God which should be, watch this now, instituted by two holy people. So a holy God is not going to allow unholy activity to be in a relationship without you finding out. Watch this. Luke chapter 12, look in verse 2. Are you there? All right, watch this. For there is nothing. Let me just, yeah, let me just start there. He said, this is Jesus talking. I'm going to read up in the first verse, the, the, the B part of first verse. Beware you of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear, in the closets, on the cell phone, with your text messages shall be proclaimed upon the housetop. There is no text message you can see in that God ain't going to find out about. Can I tell you a secret? He already see you typing it. And I know there are different methods in which you can hide that kind of stuff. But let me just tell you plain and simple. The bottom line is when you ain't doing right, the scripture says your sins will find you out. Touch your neighbor, say neighbor. Get rid of that boyfriend. Get rid of that girlfriend. Now some of the men saying, get rid of that boyfriend. Oh, we got men that got boyfriends. Come on now, they even wrote a song about it. Down low, down low. 
Down Y'all remember that song? See, they just weren't singing. Touch your neighbor and say, that ain't right. Now look at the other neighbor and say, neighbor, that is just downright nasty. Come on now. That ain't God's way. It was not Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. Okay. Here's another thing you got to do. When you're in a relationship with a difficult person, you need to pray before you say. Go to James chapter 1 very quickly. James chapter 1. Very quickly. James 1. You need to pray before you say. What does that mean? You need to reduce or eliminate any verbal altercations by controlling how you respond and the way you respond. James Chapter 1. It is very difficult to argue by yourself. James chapter 1. Look at verse 9. Are you there? Say, I'm there. Is that the one I want? Let me see here. James 1. That is not the one I want. Uh. The one I want, it talks about be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get mad. I don't know where that is, but write that down. Where is that? 119. Okay, I skipped off one of my digits. Watch this. Wherefore, my beloved, I'm in um, I'm chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to listen, slow to speak, And slow to get mad. In other words, when you're dealing with a difficult person in a relationship, they are counting on you having a verbal altercation with them. They're counting on you to do tit for tat. They're counting on you to, watch this now, to to crucify yourself by what you say. So what you got to do, you got to be smart and you got to just now be quick to listen Slow to speak. So, listen, when you want to say it and it ain't edifying, don't say it. And let me tell you something. You will make them mad by not saying nothing. Watch this. Proverbs 15. Go to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Proverbs chapter 15. It is not just what you say to a person. It's how you say it. Proverbs 15. Look in verse 1. It's not just what you say. It's how you say it. When you're dealing with a difficult person, with a difficult situation, your relationship with your boss at work. Listen, watch verse 1 of chapter 15. He says, a soft answer turns away wrath. In other words, if they're screaming, talk real soft. Because they're going to be like, what you say? Because they're screaming so loud, they can't hear you anyway. It says a soft answer will turn away wrath. But watch what it says. But grievous words stir up anger. See, some of you all are stirring up anger on purpose. Pastor done said that there are four things that I can get a divorce for. One of them is abuse. Hit me, hit me. I want you to hit me. You all in his face. Hit me, hit me, hit me. Well, no, no, no. No. 
that's not abuse. That's silliness. Okay. So you got to pray before you say. Here's a, the next thing you need to do. You should retreat before you resolve. You should retreat before you resolve. What does that mean? You need to find a place where you can resolve any conflicts with this person without being interrupted or embarrassed. Now, you say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Some of you all are picking wrong places to try to resolve conflict. You don't resolve conflict over the telephone. You don't resolve conflict with text messages. You don't resolve conflict with emails. See, because they don't say what you're really meaning. And so some of you all, you're having fights through technology. Some of you all, it's not a good place to resolve conflict while you're at work. Not a good place. You all up in the janitor closet. Yeah, what did I say? I told you. No, I ain't doing that. No, I ain't fixing your breakfast no more. I mean, no, no. You don't resolve conflict in front of your kids. Kids are very sensitive. They don't understand. And then they really don't see when you fix it with each other. And then those memories are stuck in their precious, pure minds for the rest of their life. You don't resolve conflict in front of company. Touch your neighbor, say neighbor. He talking to somebody in here this morning. I'm talking about what to do when you're dealing with a difficult person in a relationship. You got to pray before you say. You got to retreat before you resolve. If you got to go and pray before you even talk to the person, go pray. And see, some of you all don't go to the throne. You go to the phone. Everybody knows about the situation before God does. What's up with that? Some of you all, listen, one of the pieces of advice, and I'm closing right now because some of you all are really, I see you getting tight. (laughs) Listen, some of you all, and I tell people when you get married, don't tell your parents your business. Don't do that. Let me tell you the problem with that. I don't even care if they're spiritually mature to be able to handle it. Because here it is. All they hear is the crap you're giving them about your spouse. Then you fix it with your spouse, but they still remember the crap. And now their their view of your spouse has been tainted by the mess you have planted in their mind. So you don't need to tell them nothing. How's everything going? Fine. But you, now watch this. You know, parents are good, but you don't look yourself. I don't? Well, who do I look like? Well, I'm just saying, how you and Johnny doing? Well, we're doing fine. Well, you, you have a concern for us? Pray for us if you have a concern for us. Well, how you been treating you lately? Well, how daddy been treating you?
I'm telling you, some of y'all's parents are in y'all's stuff. Y'all need to get them out. Which will bring me to my last point. Here's my last point. It's not my last one, but I'm going to stop right here. Be smart and get some counsel and counseling when you're involved in a difficult relationship. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. We'll stop right here. Proverbs 11. Hot dog, I'm out of time. You know what? I'm going to stop right here. I ain't going to read it. Y'all want it? Okay, go to Proverbs 11. No, go to Proverbs 12. Go to Proverbs 12. I'll give you this one. We're going to close. Proverbs chapter 12. You should pursue godly counsel and do what is advised of you and recommended when you go to them. There's nothing like wasting somebody's time and don't do what they tell you. Come on now. Proverbs chapter 12. Look now in verse 15. Watch what it says. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You ever heard that saying, you can't tell a fool nothing? That's where it came from right now. He says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You can't tell him nothing. But he that hearken unto counsel is what? It's what? Go to Proverbs 11. Go to Proverbs 11. Just go backwards. Go to Proverbs 11. Look in verse 14. Let me tell you why you need to pursue some form of spiritual counseling when you're going through a difficult relationship. Why? Why? says, let me show you why. Look in Proverbs 11. Look in verse 14. It says, where no counsel is, the people what? Fall. How many here want to fall? You just want to fall. He said, nobody wants to fall. He said, but where no counsel is, the people what? The people fall. But then it goes on to say, but in the multitude of counsels, there is what? Safe. Let's look at one more. Go to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Look at verse 6. Are y'all getting something out of what I'm saying this morning? Proverbs 24, look at verse 6. It says, for by wise counsel. Notice it says wise counsel because you can have unwise counsel. You should not be talking to nobody unsaved about your saved problems. I don't care how many degrees they have. If they don't have a spiritual degree with Jesus Christ, don't be telling them your problems. He says now, where did I stop off? Where did I at? Verse 6. 24, 6. Okay, here we go. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Look at verse 7. Wisdom is just too high for a fool. It's just too high. They just don't understand. And you know why? Let me tell you something. Some people are being demonically encouraged. Let me say this to you. You can't counsel a demon. You can't counsel them. You got to cast the demon out. And so some people are being influenced by demons. And so you got to do like I said last week. You just walk by. Just You know, while they sleep, that's a good place. When they sleep, before they go to sleep, put some oil on their pillow. Now, if you shacking, I ain't talking about you now. Because you shouldn't be sleeping with them. Y'all know what shacking is, right? Okay, all right. If you shacking and you need to get married, you need to call me. I'll marry you on a Sunday. I sure will. Because marriage is God's way. Amen. Amen. Watch this, though. You put some oil on their pillow, and then while they sleep, you just declare over them, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against them can prosper. 
And any demon that's influencing their minds, I counsel it in Jesus' name. Amen. And then expect to wake up to a better person. I've seen some of y'all start changing and then the other ones start flipping out. Here it is. You've been believing for them. You've been standing for them. You've been praying for them. And then all of a sudden they have an encounter with God and they change. And here you are now. You were hoping they kept going so you can get out. Well, I'm in all kind of poop this morning, ain't I? Let me tell you what I know and we'll stop. God will honor your righteous stand. Will the end of the story? Go to 1 Samuel. I don't know what chapter, but Abigail, the lady that I said that was married to a fool, her husband ended up dying and she ended up marrying King David. So if he want to leave you, let him leave. Don't be begging nobody to stay with you. Will you please stay? Will you please stay? You need to get some God esteem about yourself. If he or she don't know they got a good thing. Three points. Now, I know some of y'all saying, that ain't right. You don't need nobody in your life. Just listen, I'm not saying just go home and say, I'm done. But what I am saying is stop putting up with mess you don't need to put up with. Do what I'm telling you. See, I'm giving you biblical ways of handling these relationships. If you do what I'm telling you, God will either change the heart of that person or that person will end up leaving your life. If they leave, help them pack. <laughs> Woo, did y'all learn something this morning? Praise the Lord. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning.